Let us pray. In Jesus' name. Abba, Father, we just bless your name. You are such an awesome God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all you've been doing in our midst today. We said, Lord, may your name be glorified. As we get into your word, we trust you. Speak to us in the language we can understand. And let this word today have a free course in each of us. That in it all, Jesus will be glorified and our joy shall be full. In Jesus' name we pray. So I wanted to share a little bit about dance and drama. So when I was looking at the Bible, I said this I'm going to share just a few minutes. I saw dance started in the days of Miriam. Miriam, the sister of Moses. So our topic today is what? Do not bury your talent. Amen? So Miriam, after the Lord saved them from the Red Sea, from the hands of the Egyptians, in the middle of the sea, what happened? After they left, the sea folded and buried the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. So after that deliverance, Miriam began to dance with her tambourine. She danced to the Lord for their deliverance. The deliverance of the Israelites. And I want to say to you, you too have been delivered. Amen. You have been delivered big time. If anybody is to dance, we should dance the most. Amen. David also danced. I remember when the ark of the Lord, when David, when they carried the ark, they were taking it back. And then David began to dance. David danced and danced like no man ever saw before. And at the end of the dance, guess what happened? Michael or Michael, daughter to Saul, began to disdain her husband. She said, how dare you dance like that in the presence of the maidens? She said, you strip naked in the presence of the maidens. Do you have no shame? So David retorted. He said, look, God, whom I serve, chose me over your father. So I'll dance the more, even more than this. And all we know is that Michael this day in the dance, and she happened to be the only woman in the Bible that didn't have a child. Did we learn something from there? Yes, you can dance to the Lord. You can lose yourself when you dance to the glory of God. And then Michael got her results. Amen. Something else that also interested me was my mother told me this story about the prophet Ezekiel. That is where I saw drama in the Bible. She said, Ezekiel, whatever that is, she said, God is something else. That God will ask him to do things, whatever he wanted to do to the people of Israel. He first of all asked Ezekiel to practice it. I said, how? She began to tell me. Let me quickly read Ezekiel 4, 1 to 8. The siege of Jerusalem symbolized 
And you, son of man, take a brick and lay it before you and engrave on it a city, even Jerusalem, and put siege works against it and build a siege wall against it and cast up a mound against it, set camps also against it and plant battering rams against it all around. And you take an iron girdle and place it as an iron wall between you and the city and set your face toward it and let it be in a state of siege and press the siege against it. This is a sign for the house of Israel. Now comes the drama. Then lie on your left side and place the punishment of the house of Israel upon it. For the number of days that you lie on it, you shall bear their punishment. For I assign to you a number of days, 390 days equal to the number of the years of their punishment. So long shall you bear the punishment of the house of Israel. And when you have completed this, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the punishment of the house of Judah. Forty days I assign you a day. I assign you a day for each year. And you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem with your arm bared, and you shall prophesy against the city. And behold, I will place cords upon you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other till you have completed the days of your siege. Praise the Lord. So when I looked at it, I said, wow, drama started right back from those days in the Bible. And you know what? Drama is not just for, for me, it's not an entertainment, especially when it comes to the things of God. Drama, the Bible, uh, that adage that says, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words. A picture is worth a thousand words. So the things we see, is difficult for us to do or to forget. We remember it. We understand it perfectly well because we're looking at it. Just like Ezekiel understood all that God was going to do because he had him practice those things. So whenever drama comes up, it's not an entertainment. Try to understand the lesson behind it. A picture is worth a thousand words. Amen. So our sister, Lady Tayo, and our brother, Dr. Chibuzo um, Emenari, I say thank you for this awesome, awesome presentation. And I want to plead to you, like we saw on that, the, the, the basketball thing. You, if you don't know your talent, please go to God. And also people will tell you, you yourself will know those things that come easily for you and gives you joy. If you are interested, please try and see Lady Tayo or Dr. Chibuzo at the end of this service, like they said, amen? And watch God bless you as you use your talents to bless people, amen? So 1 Peter 4, verse 10, amplified. It says, just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, Employ it. Employ means to make use of it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully using the diverse 
varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. There are key words that you look at when you study this. He says, you receive this from God. It's a special gift. It's not an ordinary gift. It's a special gift that God has given to you. Your talent, your ability. And what does he want you to do? He says, employ it. Use it. When God gives you something and tells you what to do, he means it. That's a purpose for everything that God says to us. He says, employ it. And then, in serving one another. You may think, why would I want to use my talent? That's what God wants. He knows your needs. And he has made it the solution to that problem or answer to that question, that situation. Somebody has it. And when that person uses it to bless you, they're serving God. Praise the Lord. So do not bury your talent. Do not bury your gift. You don't use it for yourself. You see God, everything about God is selflessness. It's not about you, it's about others. That's why he gave you that gift. He says stewards. He said you are a good steward, inappropriate. How to use it appropriately, like a good steward of God's multifaceted grace. You don't deserve it, you don't merit it. He gave it to you and he wants you to use it. You are a steward of that grace. You are a manager. It's not yours to keep. Praise the Lord. So I was looking at that talent. There are special skills, abilities. There are gifts that God has given to different people. And each of us, like we've had today, is required to use it. Make a very good use of it for the sake of God on behalf of your neighbors, of others, other Christians. Amen. You didn't work for it, like I said. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. He just granted it to you. In what capacity? He said you're a good, as a good manager. So you're a manager of God's diverse gifts, the talent. You're just managing it. You're a good servant. A servant has nothing. He doesn't own it. Everything that, you know, comes his way from his master, belongs to his master. You will see it as we go on. As faithful stewards. Are you a faithful steward? As you live here today, ask yourself, begin to ask yourself, what are those gifts that God has given to me? What am I managing for God? Because it's not for you. Try to find out. Praise the Lord. Because God has given it to you for a purpose. Every time we come together to pray, our pastor will be asking, if God says something to you, please come up. You have a special gift. Come up. Pastor Dorothy will be asking the women, has God spoken? It seems as if we don't even understand the meaning of these special gifts. As they're asking us, pleading with us, did God speak? God has spoken. It is not for you to keep. It is for the blessing of others. You have a talent. It is not for you. You have to make use of it in blessing others, children of God. He meant it for them through you. Praise the Lord. Understand that it is through you, but it's for them. Amen. So you use your gift to serve others. Amen. First Corinthians, let's see more. He said he has given you the power. Before I get to that, he said God gave you this gift. He equipped you how to use it. He gave you the power 
One of the translations says he gave you the power to do them. So you have to do them properly. I love that. You have no excuse, you see. He gave you something to do. He gave you the ability, gave you the power, gave you, equipped you for it. So 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, let everything you do be done in love, through love to God and man, as inspired by God's love for us. He loved us first. Let the love of God constrain you. Let it inspire you to do things that he wants you to do as he speaks to you, whatever it is, that talent in you. Let the love of God inspire you to use it for the benefit of others. That is why God gave it to you, not to hoard it. Amen? 1 Corinthians 4, 2. I'm using the Amplified Classic. Moreover, it is essential... It is essentially required of stewards that a man should be found faithful, providing himself worthy of trust. How are you using the talents, the special gift that God has given to you? You are outspoken. You are very relatable. You are very hospitable. You are very friendly. You are very forgiving. You are very at everything. How are you using it? Are you using it to bless others? You have to keep asking yourself. After today, this talent begins to ring in your ears and your blessings, your, your, your gifts. That's what I want to do. Praise God. Use it to bless others. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Amplified. He said, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the spiritual illumination and enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good whether it is a spiritual gift, whether it is your talent, all of them require one thing. You are to use it for the common good. What does that mean? For the good of others around you. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Something from the Spirit can be seen in each person. The Spirit gives this to each one to help others. What else can I say? The Spirit has given it to you to help people around you. You are to use it for their benefit. You are to serve one another. You are to use whatever gift he has given you in a way that will best serve each other. You are to employ it in serving one another. The gift is not yours to keep, but must be used for the common good. Praise the Lord. So each of us must use that gift the way God wants it. Selfishness is out of the equation, but selflessness. Whenever it comes to God, Christ, it's all about selflessness. Amen? 1 Corinthians, let's see, 12, 11, Amplified. It says, all these things, the gifts, the achievements, your achievements, your abilities, your special gifts, the empowering that you're getting, that are brought about by one and the same Holy Spirit, distributing to each one individually as he chooses. You, God gave it to you. You didn't ask for it. He gave it individually as he chooses. He knows your ability and he has given it to you. You didn't choose. He chose it for you. Praise the Lord. So that is why you have to follow his what? Direction. 
Romans 12, 6 to 8, says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them accordingly. What I wanted to bring out is that, you see, these gifts are different. You cannot begin to envy me. I can't begin to envy you. Yours is unique. Everybody's gift is unique. Don't look at them and begin to envy them. No. Your own, he says, he gave it to varieties, different people, different gifts. Tailor made for you, for your own personal use. He knows your ability. It is unique. Your gift is unique. Don't sit and begin to admire somebody else's gift. Use yours. It is equally unique. Praise the Lord. He gave you this unique gift. Amen. So everyone's gift is unique. There's no place for jealousy. Amen. If we should know this, then the house of God will be an enjoyable place to stay. Because then everybody will mind their own gifts. You know, knowing that they are special, they are unique. Amen. Colossians 3.23 says, put your heart and soul into every activity you do. As though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. For we know that we will receive a reward an inheritance from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh, the anointed one. How do you serve him? It is in serving others. It is in serving others that you do, you serve God. So he wants us to put your heart into it. Put your heart and your soul into that thing that you're doing, like the young man, and use it to bless people around you. Amen. That's for the purpose that God gave you that gift. We have to use that grace gift. First Timothy, some of us, like I said earlier, you, you're there looking at others, admiring, being, envying them. You don't do that. You cannot neglect your gift. Look at what God says to First Timothy. What Paul was saying to him, do not neglect the gift which is in you, that special inward endowment which was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit by prophetic utterances when the elders laid their hands upon you at your ordination. Practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties. Practice. Use your gifts. The more you practice, the better you get. Throw yourself wholly into it. Whenever the opportunity comes, you need to use that gift. Amen? You cannot look down on your own talent. Whatever a talent it is, he needs you to use that talent. Use your hospitality to bless people. Use your, you know, your relational ability, relatability to bless people around you. Use your charming, your smiling face, things, and bless people around you. Amen? I'll give you, look at the Bible. Sometimes, you know, when we're talking about building this house, Pastor we we're calling, you know, mentioning a lot of, you know, huge, huge amount of money. And then I begin to ask myself, that we, maybe we have some people that can do those things in the church and reduce the cost of these things. Whatever you have in your hand, say, so what do you have in your hand? It can be, look at people of old. Let us look at some examples of talents, how they use it. Exodus 28 to the 4. He says, make sacred garments for Aaron that are glorious and beautiful. Instruct all the skilled craftsmen 
whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, have them make garments for Aaron that would distinguish him as a priest, set apart. God wanted this thing to be made, but he's looking for people who are skilled. He has given you the skill. You have the talent. Some of us are engineers. Some of us are medical doctors. We're nurses. We're educators. We're businessmen. We're architects. Whatever you are, when there is a need for it in the church, it's only proper for you to do what show up and use it to bless God in blessing the church. Amen? You use it for the benefit of the church and you're serving God even as you're serving the church. Amen? Um, Exodus 35, Moses said to, and verse 30, he says, Moses said to the Israelites, see, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hor, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, understanding, knowledge, with all kinds of skills. And then when you read further, it's for them to do something, to build the house of God. So your talents also, you can use it in walking in the house of God. And then course we come down, because God has varieties of professionals as his children. Amen? Praise God. So, let us look at 1 Corinthians 4, 7. So we'll be able to just jump a lot of things. So some of us, our heads should not swell. If God is using you, it's not your doing. It's not your, your, you didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. Pride comes in. But God wants us about it. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who separates you from the others as a faction leader? You begin to form faction in the church because now your gift is so, so, so. Praise the Lord. You want people to bow when you walk. It says, who has separated you from the others as a faction leader? Who makes you superior and sets you apart from another, giving you the preeminence? Who did that? What have you that was not given to you? If then you received it from someone, why do you boast as if you had not received it, but had gained it by your own efforts? So let's be careful how we use our gifts and how we flaunt ourselves because of those gifts. God said, who made you different? What did you have? Do you have that you didn't first of all receive? Amen. So I want us to quickly go to our main um, scripture. I want us to look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25, which is our main scripture, and see what we can do with it, considering the time that we have. Your talents cannot be hidden. So let's see what they did here about talent. I'm quickly trying to get my stuff. Praise the Lord. So here we found, uh, we see the the passage on talent, Matthew 25. I'll begin to read from 13. And as I read, I will explain. See how far I can go. So it says, watch, begin to read from 13. I'm using Amplified. It says, what therefore? Give strict intention. Watch therefore. 
give straight attention and be curious and be cautious and active. For you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. For it is like a man who was about to take a long journey and he called his servants together and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, to another one, to each in proportion to his own personal ability. He gave in proportion, these three dudes, these three guys, in proportion to their personal abilities, right? Okay, let's keep going. Then he departed and left the country. So he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with it, with them, and he gained five talents. You see, the five talent guy was watchful. He was watchful. He, he was listening to the street. At, uh, he gave strict attention to what the master was saying. He was cautious. He was active, like the word says in Romans 12. Romans 12, 11, TPT. He says, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your portion toward him, boiling hot, radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit, and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. King James said, not slothful in business, fervent. Slothfulness means laziness. Say, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. So this first guy, what happened to him also happened to the second guy. He acted at once. You can see that. He went at once and traded with that money. He gained five more, making a profit of what? 100%. And that's what happened to the second guy too. He also traded. He got up. He was active. He was quick to do what? To respond. That's how it should be with us. Always quick to respond to a need. Right? He traded with it. And he made 100% profit. Praise the Lord. That's what matters. He made 100%. The first guy made 100%. They both acted at once. But he said, he who had received the one talent went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Please do not bury your talent. Your talent cannot be hidden. You're like that city on a hill. You cannot be hidden. Your light will always shine. See, let me, let me read an illustration of what I'm saying. Some people are not faithful. This servant wasn't faithful at all. What did he do? He went and he dug the earth, the ground, and he buried the money. Faithfulness, zero. And some people do that in the house of God. You have to push them. You have to wind them. You have to encourage them. You have to, let, let me read an illustration of faithfulness. He says, um, neglecting the Weedwick service. The story is told of various church members and their attitude toward the Weedwick service. Brother A thought it looked like rain and concluded that his family, including himself, of course, had better remain at home. On Thursday evening, it was raining very hard, and the same brother hired a carriage and took his whole family to the Academy of Music to hear Agassiz's lecture on the intelligence of the lobster. He couldn't come to meal service. He thought it was going to rain. But under this heavy rain, he had what? He had to take a cab, carry his family. They were going to the whatever theater museum. Now, Brother B thought he was going. He was too tired to go. So he stayed at home and walked at the sledge he had promised to make for Billy. Sister C thought the pavements were too slippery. 
it would be very dangerous for her to venture out. She was seen the next morning going down the street to get her old bonnet all done up for her. Hagele. She had an old pair of stockings drawn over her shoes. Three-fourths of the members stayed at home. God was at the prayer meeting. They were not there. The pastor was there, and God blessed them. The persons who stayed at home were each represented by a vacant seat, and God doesn't bless empty seats. Amen? You see how faithful we are. God has committed something into your hand. Midweek services, the faithfulness is required. It says it is required of a steward to be found faithful. These ones were they faithful. But God came and he blessed. Even so, God blesses people who do what? Use their talents and their gifts to bless people around them. As he said, amen. He that is faithful, Luke 16.10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. Amen. But a faithful man, Proverbs 8.28.20. 20, says, a faithful man is rich with blessings. Amen. So after a long time, the master of the, those servants, he returned to settle accounts with them as it will be our turn someday. So Jesus will return to settle accounts with us. What you are doing with your talent matters a lot. You have those abilities. He gave us wisdom for us. Jesus has given his our wisdom. He's our sanctification. He's our redemption. He's your everything. He equipped you for this work that he has called you to do. Amen. He has equipped us. And he who had received the five talents came and brought, when the time came, judgment time, he brought his money. And then this is what he made. He said, I have gained five talents more. And the same thing happened with the guy with two talents. They were all blessed. We also are supposed to have a spiritual profit in what we're doing. You cannot be where you are today. You have, you have to continue growing. I was reading about a man of God. He said every so often he'll be scared. He'll be asking his you know, fellows around him, his family, do you think I have grown at all these past three months? Have you seen any growth in me? He was worried. Every living thing needs to grow. It's one of the characteristics of living things, right? You need to grow. The word of God is also living. We need to grow. You cannot be where you are today, tomorrow. Praise the Lord. There has to be significant mark of growth in us. So his master says to him, well done. You upright. Listen to the blessing. He's upright. He's admirable. He's faithful. He's honorable. You upright. Honorable, admirable, faithful servant. He said, you have been faithful and trustworthy over a little. I will put you in charge of much. Enter into and share the joy, the delight which your master enjoys. And that is what we're looking for. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Not one that holds their talent and their gift and becomes least a faction in the house of God. That's not one that would be there. It's not about money, only giving money. No. People need more than that sometimes. The Jones don't need money. Let me read you a story. You know, I, I, I'm not going to go through it. A story of a young girl 
that had the tendency to commit suicide. She was very suicidal. And one of those days, she was there in that gathering. And she has planned out how to do it when she got home, when she gets home. Now, as she was there, thinking how to carry this thing out, and there was a, they were praying, as she lifted up her head, her eyes caught with a man. A man's eyes caught her eyes. And then she saw the move of the mouth. Are you okay? She never thought anybody on earth would ever care about her. Just a little smile. Are you okay? Did a whole world of good. This girl went home, and that was the end of that suicidal attempt. Just one smile. His talent. God used it to save his daughter's life. Your talent is waiting to be used to save somebody else's life. Amen? Okay. So I said to think, why did this one talent man hide his, um, his, his, his talent? Why did he? He said he was, he called him, he said his master was wicked. His master was lazy. His mother was wicked. His, his master collected things where he didn't sow. He reaped from where he didn't sow. So he was afraid. So he hid his talent. See what fear can do. Fear is the opposite of faith. There's no faith. He didn't have faith in the master that other two had. He didn't even love the master. He didn't even realize how much the master loved him. To give him that talent, it was a huge sum of money. Then, you don't even realize the cost of the blessing, the gifts, the talents that God has given to you. Yes, look what happened here. And said, the, the Lord said to him, you are wicked. You are lazy. Are you lazy? We are told not to be slothful. If you're not using your talent, maybe you're lazy. He said he called him an idle servant. He called him a good-for-nothing servant. That is how he sees you if you are not using your talent. Praise the Lord. So I see there's something that is happening here. If he knew how much God loved him, he would not behave like that. The other ones, they knew the love of God for them. You see, when you understand the love of God for you, how much God loves you, and you have an experiential knowledge of the love of God, oh my God, you will be bouncing when you're walking. You hold your head high, knowing that your other father, he loves you. Knowing the love of God, having that experience of his love for you, it tells a lot about how you walk with God. It tells a lot about how you succeed or fail when it comes to your service with the Lord. He didn't recognize it. He didn't know how much. The love of God. It cost, us, it cost him so much. Let's look at a, a few things. He was the one that did what? He died for your sins. He, the removal of our sin, that's what he did for us. The guilt of our sin was taken away from us. They were placed on Christ. You're talking about rejoicing, about what God has done, propitiation. See, he died in our place for our sins. You would have been in that place, but he died in your place. He removed the wrath of God that we justly you know, deserve. We deserve it. He took that wrath away. Praise God. That when you begin to look at what God did, he reconciled us. We were at enmity with God. What did Christ do? He reconciled us to God. Praise the Lord. Because our sins alienated us, separated us from God. 
But what did Christ's death now remove that alienation and brought us close to God? So we're now reconciled to God through the death of his son. He redeemed us. We look at redemption. Christ's death accomplished so much. I begin to look at the work of redemption. Things are supposed to be looking at and you, be, you know how much God has loved you. And that will now spoil you, inspire you to be all he has called you to be and do all he has called you to do because of his love for you. Christ's death accomplished our redemption. He accomplished the deliverance from you know, our captivity through the payment of the price, his own blood. He redeemed us from the cause of the law. Sometimes I want to dance. You know, when I remember that cause of the law, and then something is happening in my body, I'll take authority. Whatever you are, if your sickness, if your disease, you're a cause of the law. I disallow you in my body. Whatever poverty, is it failure, is it lack, you're a cause of the law. I disallow you in my life. I look at, I you go to Proverbs 28, that, um, Deuteronomy 28, it talks about tumors, it talks about growth, it talks about all those things. And I say, tumor, growth, you're not allowed in my body, you're a cause of the law. And Christ has redeemed me from the cause of the law. So my prayer, whatever constitutes a cause, you're not allowed in this body. As I disallow you in this body here on earth, you're also disallowed already in heaven in my body. Praise the Lord. Same thing with you. You cannot allow, you don't make no, you don't, you don't give way to it. It's a cause of the law. Christ redeemed you from it. The devil cannot put it back on you. Praise the Lord. You see that, rest, that substitution thing? When he did, when he defeated the kingdom of darkness and all its army. You know, you were the one that defeated the devil because he did it for you in your place. So you tell the devil, I stand before you without fear. I defeated you in Christ Jesus. He made an open show of him. Praise the Lord. These are the things that God and Christ has done for us. Redeeming us from that power of sin. Sin can no longer dominate you. Defeating the power of darkness. All of them. These are the things that he has done for you. Defeated and all the powers of darkness, whatever they are. They are defeated and you are the one. Because you were right there. He was a substitute. He did it in your place. Amen. By dying as our substitute, Christ accomplished everything, all the benefits that we now enjoy on the cross of Calvary. Amen. And that is why you should always, when you remember these things, how much he loves you. How much he loves you. I, wow. I remember the woman with the alabaster cruise of oil. My children, they know it's my, my favorite song. Alabaster, box. And then they remember the other one. Mercy says no. Death, sin cannot have control. Mercy said no. I remember those. What Christ has done, this is out of his love for me. That he did all those things. So I rejoice whether I have plenty like Paul, I have less. I rejoice. Whether whatever it is, you're hungry, you're full, you're rejoicing. Sickness and poverty, you're rejoicing because you know you already have the victory over the enemy. Amen. You are the righteousness of God. You have the right standing before God. And you have the boldness to stand before Satan and say, you are defeated for. And I disallow you. Amen. And whatever we disallow on earth is also disallowed in heaven. 
Praise the Lord. I want to go quickly to what Paul was saying. Amen. So because of this love of God, Paul knows what it means. How much this love means to us. So when you go to the book of Ephesians, Paul begins to talk about the love of God, the magnitude, the depth of his love for you. We should be an inspiration for you to use your talents to bless others, to use your gift to bless others, to be what he's called you to be, serving God even as you serve men because of his love, because of his love. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 3.15. He says, for this reason, because I preached that you are, thought that you are thus built up together, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake and on behalf of few Gentiles, assuming you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. You see, Paul's own stewardship, he doesn't play with it. He said, have you heard it? The stewardship of God's grace, his unmerited favor. Paul is talking about his own. That was entrusted to me to dispense to you for your benefit. How about your own stewardship of God's grace? Are you dispensing it for others, for their benefit? I'm asking you. It's so important to Paul. You begin to see what Paul, what he sees, we don't even see it. Why he does the things, why he did everything he did here, we can't see it. He doesn't neglect that stewardship. Praise the Lord. And then when you go right down to verse, <clears throat> verse 16, so he started to pray that God will grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man for the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. He says now, he begins to pray. May Christ through your faith actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. He tells you why. That you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of it? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever sat and begin to meditate on this scripture, on the love of God? I remember a man of God, I don't think I should call him names here anyway, when things were rough for him, they didn't have anything, only some one or two bottles of soda and some chips. He said he started thinking that he made a mistake in going into the ministry. He was there, said he was blaming God, he was feeling sorry for himself. He was feeling sorry to say, God, why would you even bless me with a wife like this if I'm going to be a disappointment? He kept on wallowing in that self-pity until suddenly something that was a light just break out in him. When that light, when that light came, that enlightenment, he began to feel something else. He began, as he began to think about God, about the love of God, how much God loved him, how much God loved his wife. As he began to think about it, 
praises just filled his mouth. He started praising God and praising God and praising God. He came out as he told his wife, he said, honey, be ready. We're going to eat meat today. We'll eat meat today. We'll eat food and we'll eat meat. It's not going to be just chips. Amen? Then, later that day, after the service, evening service, he said he was a little bit disappointed. Most of you know who I'm talking about. So a little bit disappointed that he didn't see what he thought he was going to see. But somebody, this guy has already invited them to his home. I bet they were disappointed that it was past dinner time. They just want to eat dinner. So by the time he was done, as they said, they were leaving. This man said, okay, I came down your house today. But when I came down, I didn't see your car. So I thought you were not home. I brought these things to you. I thought you were not home. And that was the exact time the wife took that car to go do some laundry. The car wasn't there. But that time when he was praising God, enjoying, living out, you know, the love of God. You know, when he was doing that, was when that man came. That was when the breakthrough came. But the man didn't see the car, so he went back. So that night, the man brought out the box. Says it was cartons, boxes of meats. Meat, meat, steak. Then he had other things, but the steak was the one that caught his eye. The food, the meat. And he already told his wife, we're going to meet, eat meat today. So when they got home, his wife quickly, quickly, quickly prepared the dinner. It was a late dinner. But the meat and everything will last them for God knows how long. You see, at that point, when he began to realize the love of God and began to dance, dancing, rejoicing, glorifying God, that's when the miracle came. Praise the Lord. And so when you begin to think about the love of God as you serve God, you not wait for the senior pastor to ask you to come in late, to come out late, to do this one. You will not wait for the head uh, of ministry to whine you or the ministerial head of uh, ministerial overseer to begin to ask you, please, forgive us. Please don't leave the church. No, the love of God, when you know the magnitude of that love, whatever, he wants it to be. Whatever he wants you to do, you will do it. Praise the Lord. The love of God will always, always, the difference between the one talent man and the five talent man, the recognizing, appreciating the love of God. This one talent man still saw nothing good. He never saw the love of God. He was walking. And that fear brought torment, right? Fear brings torment. What else does fear do? No confidence. But faith in its place, that love will make you, your faith, your confidence will come up. Your faith is getting stronger. And guess what? The love of God, you're living in that love, walking in that love. Your faith becomes more what? Effective. Because faith, how did you put it? Faith works best in love. Something like that. Praise the Lord. Faith works in, by love. Amen. So let us look at the final scripture that I want to read here. Praise God. Mm -hmm. So Luke 19, 13, it says he summoned 10 of his slaves and gave them 10 pounds and said to them, do business with these until I come back. Christ, we have taken the place of Christ. We are occupying right now until he comes back. We have all that it needs 
to be all that God has called us to be. We have his life. We have his nature. With those nature, his nature comes all the attributes of God in you. He has given you all you need for life and godliness. Right? Every single thing. The smallest of us has all it takes. They have all they need for life and godliness. And the biggest of us has all they need for life and godliness. You have it. All you need. You are taking the place of Christ. His hands to bless people. His mouth to bless people. His feet to visit and to bless people. You are this part of him that blesses people. Praise the Lord. People around you. And he has given you the power to do it. And he wants you to use it properly. As you live here today, I want to say to you, what is that gift? What is that talent that God has given to you? How are you doing with it? Are you using it to bless his children, to solve their problems? They don't wait for him to come physically. He has you. Are you using your talent to reach out to everyone around you, to be a blessing to that soul around you that is badly in need of a touch of Christ? You are here. Be that hand that will touch them. Do not bury your talent. Use it to bless his children. Amen. Let's bow down our heads, please.